Hello everyone and welcome back to the Railway Men podcast. Following the 3-1 home defeat to Fleetwood, there was just one thing on everyone's mind. Ian Perry says in our last chance saloon, the response to going 2-1 down spoke volumes. Artel has lost the team and the board are now losing fans. Gresty Roadender is so bored of the same every week, it's time for a change. Morris Fitzgerald thinks Artel has to go before he's allowed another summer recruitment. Mason is fed up of travelling from Stockport every week to see a team lose again and again. Lewis Crump thinks getting gone before next season. And Andrew Whittingham says a change is required. Who could do worse? David Royal was defending Artel before Saturday. Not anymore. Reverend Jim says there's two things stopping Artel getting the sack now. We've never sacked a manager in the season we were relegated and the board have invested in structural changes to support him. Andy Griffiths says the manager has had four or five good seasons, but this one has been appalling. We need three or four experienced players. We can't just promote 17, 18 year olds. James picks out Finney, Ainley and Porter as simply not good enough. Keith thinks Finney, Ainley and Travis Johnson wouldn't get a game at Nantwich. Roger Wakefield reckons there's more of a fight to get to the T-bar at half time. Alex Gresty uses horrific, awful, diabolical. Liam says, can't defend, can't score, can't keep the ball. But scarily, it's not an issue for the board. Luke Bevington says, this is the worst it's been for a while. Too many are not good enough and the young lads are being exposed. LDB says, there are no words to sum it up. Ben and Simon couldn't even use those, using gifts instead. Ben going with whiskey drinking and Simon, a racehorse being put down. Mark Ayres wonders why he should renew his season ticket and makes the point of so many that he can't remember a crew side this poor. Mark Gardner's mullet says time for a change. What will season ticket sales be like without one? Adam Turner's first game since Wigan and last of the season. It's a team going through the motions. Rich Hassel is also now done watching any games this season. Another is Daz. He adds another summer like the last one and it's straight to non-league. Mr B didn't watch for the first time in a long time and won't bother again this season. Craig Fisher missed the game with COVID and he is glad he did. Andy Kinnear, on the other hand, thinks we're lucky not to have seen crew in the 70s. This is fabulous compared to that. Captain Britain thinks the vampires are back, unable to deal with crossers, ironically with a centre-back as manager. Andy Priest managed to miss the goal as he was already in the bar. Jonathan Ditt pulls out Long's goal and Lowry's performance is good, but then says there was lots of overhit diagonal passes and weak challenges. Ryan Haywood, Long scored a good goal. That's it. Hello and welcome to the Railway Men podcast. We have just the one game to focus on this week, a 3-1 home defeat to Fleetwood. To do that, I'm joined by two of our stalwarts, Tim Robinson. Hi, Tim. Hi, all right. And Mark Bertels. Hi, Mark. Hello, everybody. Uh, the two of you have been on a lot recently. There, there is a reason you're both back on today. Um, we might as well go into that now because our third guest today is Emma Porter. Hi, Emma. Hello, everybody. Thanks for inviting me on. No problem. Can you just explain, Emma, why it is I've asked Mark and Tim to be on today? Um, So I know Mark and Tim from quite a long time ago. So we went to the same school together um, and we actually saw each other at the the Sunderland game, the away game recently. Um, And I was explaining about my new role within the Alex as the uh, player care coordinator. 
Um, I'd also listened to the podcast that he'd had on recently with Dave Artell. Um, and, and he sort of made reference as well to my role. Um, so, yeah, so the guys just thought it might be uh, might be quite good just to have me on, just to explain a little bit more about that. Excellent. Um, we're going to finish today's pod talking about that job uh, that you've got at the Alex. But just to get started, can you briefly sum us up your crew, Alex, supporting um, time? Yeah, so I think I first started going to Alex when I was around about 13, 14. So... There was a, a group of people from my school that were going. So I just went along, um, showing my age a little bit. But it was when um, we used to sit in the um, the pop stands, so where the away fans sit now, um, and it was all terraced as well. So, um, so yeah, I kind of caught the bug a little bit from that. And then there was a time when um, I think the Alex were having their training ground uh, renovated. So they actually came to use All Sage Schools AstroTurf. So at the time, it was kind of quite new and not, all, and not a lot of places had it. So um, I would sort of sneak down on, on my lunch break and uh, was sort of running and getting the balls back for the likes of, you know, Robbie Savage and Neil Lennon, who were in the team at the time. So... Yeah, so I've kind of supported them since then. And then around about the age of 17, 18, started to get a season ticket. And um, so, yeah, I've kind of had a season ticket sort of on and off really over the last sort of 20, 25 years. Favourite player, favourite game? Ooh, favourite player. Um, I was really, really upset when Rob Hulse left. Really liked Rob Hulse, thought he was a good player. Fantastic seeing you know, likes of Dean Ashton coming through. I remember when he made his debut. Um, Favourite game? Um, probably the first Wembley game. Um, when, uh, I can't remember if that was, was that the Johnson's paint or was that the uh, the playoff? I can't well, remember. The playoff. playoffs. We had the consecutive, didn't we? So it was brilliant, you know, going down to Wembley. We went into one of the pubs before and, and it was just like you saw like so many sort of local people in there. So um, that was just really good experience, really good atmosphere. Um, and obviously came away with a win as well. So that was good times. So following on from those good time chats, Mark, 3-1, home to Fleetwood. Um, a couple of weeks ago you were on and I said, you know, we probably won't do it, but if we win against Fleetwood, we win against Doncaster, we win against Wimbledon, we give ourselves a chance. That chance is gone now, yeah? Yeah, I was in that, that bracket. If you remember, I said I thought if we, if we could get something off Bolton, um, it set those three games up, Wimbledon, Fleetwood and um, Doncaster. Uh, and all the talk before the game was from the manager that you know he'd, he'd had two weeks to get more into them than the previous two months. And unbelievably, there was a little bit of um, excitement and optimism, only a tiny bit, but they felt like there was a reason to go back to, to Gresty Road um, and watch a game. And I can't begin to put into words how utterly let down I was. Tim, before the game, there was a little bit of chat um, about the midfield. Well, it wasn't the midfield three because Ainley played wing back, but Ainley, Finney and Murphy all playing. Um they seem to get quite a lot of stick this, or they seem to have gotten a lot of stick this season. Do you think that's merited, or are they becoming somewhat of the scapegoats within this team? It's it's difficult to say, really. I don't I don't think any of those three that you mentioned have had good seasons. And I think part of the problem is that we talk about, and Dave Artell in his podcast talks about players that have developed, and and some have, and some have progressed. Mainly the younger ones, 
Whereas those three that you mentioned, Ainley, Finney and Murphy, I would say all three of them have gone backwards this season from certainly from what we would have expected at the start of the season. Um, I think Ainley and, and Finney especially have been crushingly disappointing this season. Um, and I think it's at the stage now where some of them have to decide whether they want to be professional footballers or professional good time Charlies. Um, yeah, I, I, th- I think the, the stick that they've been getting is, is pretty justified, really. Um, I mean, there's probably extenuating circumstances for both of those two, especially uh, regarding injuries. But um, yeah, they, they've just been average at best for most of the season and at times been desperately poor. I'd say Murphy's slightly different. I think Murphy has had some good games and I actually thought he had quite a good game yesterday. Emma, I'll come to you because obviously this is the first time you've been on. Um, what was your perspective? Well, what has been your perspective of the season so far and how are you feeling going into yesterday? Was it a must-win game or is it already gone for you? I felt like it had already gone. Um, for me, and obviously we'll come on to talk a little bit more about my role you know, a bit later on, but I just wonder about the psychological effects that it has on those players, particularly some of the young players, when you're losing week in, week out. I mean, I was looking at some of the body language yesterday and I know they scored first and then we had that great equaliser just before half time. But when that second goal went in, the body language just was, you could see, I mean, Chris Porter, he, he just was like, it was sort of looking to me as if, what's the point? So it, it was a little bit, the body language was just a bit off. And I think you've got to think about the impact that must have psychologically when you're losing every game week in, week out. That must really drag you down as a player. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's really difficult, isn't it? I was thinking about this last night. I'm sure there are psychological blocks um, and... To some degree, I can forgive them. And I've up to now, I've kind of sided with the manager if there's a side to take um, and not with the players. But I think the, the manager seems to have been so stubborn or I don't know what you want to call it, pig-headed, but he's stuck with this, this formation and this type of playing. And it's not worked. It's not worked for, for the whole of the season and it's still not working now. And then he's asking the players to do the same things over and over and over again. And they clearly can't do it. They're not capable of doing it. So I get it. I get the body language. I'm sure they walked onto the pitch yesterday and, and, and thought, what's the point? And, and that's basically what transpired the body language from a lot of them. And the, and the effort or lack of effort was, um, was quite telling. There's a couple of points I just want to pick up on there. One from you, Mark, and then one from Emma. So I'll go to Emma first. Um, you've just mentioned the player's body language, and it is something that I've sort of thought about because one of the things that I think most crew fans would say has been a positive this year has been Zach Williams coming into the side uh, as a 17. I think he's 18 now. Um, his win percentage must be one of the worst win percentages of any professional footballer because he's been really good in a very poor side. What sort of effect is that going to have on a young lad who's just breaking into a, into a first-team football in? side i think it's a good point you raise um you know i don't think any professional footballer plays to lose a game i don't think anybody does that so it it must be really difficult for them to keep getting themselves up for each game and 
you've got to think about as well, you know, we have got quite a lot of players at 17, 18. You look at Conor O'Reardon as well and the physical exertion that that has on their body, you know, they're, they're kind of playing a lot of games, aren't they, in quick succession. So that will all take a toll as well on them. Um, but yeah, and they haven't got the experience, have they, like some of the older pros have in, in terms of having these difficult times like this. And that's where I think they would look to a more experienced player. And, you know, a lot of people I've heard this season talking about the likes of, you know, somebody like Paul Green, who was fantastic for the club right throughout, you know, not just kind of on the pitch on game days, right throughout the club. And I think we've really missed, you know, we possibly need two or three three of those types of characters really just to pull it all together and knit it all together I absolutely agree with that yeah and then Mark just to go on the point you made just really quickly you talked about style now a little bit of a spoiler by the time this pod is out on Monday morning uh, there'll be some question and answers I've done for the MK game with their supporters trust and one of the questions they asked me is what is Crew's style and my answer was I don't know because I haven't seen them do anything that looks like they have a clue what they're doing with the football. So, Mark, all I saw yesterday was pumping it long to Chris off for Chris Long to try to run onto and it going out for a throw in. Am I missing something? No. We've lost all, all our identity. Um, which um it, it's it's a double-edged sword because yeah, they're young um and they're trying to play a certain way, and, and the manager's um insistent that they play this this way. Um, but when you look across that team yesterday, we've got uh, the three centre-backs are homegrown, and then you've got Ainley Murphy, Lowry and Finney homegrown. Now, they've been playing football together and at Crew Alex from the age of, I don't know, four, five, six, and they don't look like they're capable of, of passing to each other, of playing in any kind of system. You know, it, you make a, a really good point. If you said to me, what, what's the plan? When, we, when they go onto the pitch, what's the plan? Like before, it was the overlapping fullbacks with um, Charlie supported by the, the wingers, you know, Kirkdale, Pixie and NG. There's nothing like that now. You're right. It, it seemed to be pump it up to Porter and hopefully he'll, he'll manage to hold it up and get Long in behind or over the top to Long in. And this apparently, according to the manager, is the crew way. And as I said a couple of weeks ago, it really isn't. Tim, I'm going to come to you for the first Fleetwood goal. Um, I could see that goal coming from about 30 seconds before. And I'm not saying this, you know, show off my ability as a football guru or anything like this. As soon as their right wing back pushed the ball past Kashka and then simply ran past him, all of the crew players were out of position. And I said, this is going to result in a goal. And it did. Was that the feeling that you had as well? Stu, I can't, I, I can't even be asked to describe it, honestly. Um, I think that's probably the 55th time we've allowed a cross to come into our box too easily and then not defended it when it's been in the box and resulted in a goal and 56th time this season was shortly to follow I mean I I totally agree with what Mark's saying about the style and the formation Um, it has been glaringly obvious all season that the problem we've got is square pegs and round holes out wide we haven't got any wingers we've tried playing fullbacks as wingers with Adebisi and Johnson and Iwakwe and the Arsenal loanee kid, and that hasn't worked. And then we've played tried playing strikers as wing-backs to try and give us something more out wide, and that hasn't worked because even though they might offer a little bit forward, it's always catastrophic defending, whether it's Mandron or Kashka or Agye, 
you know, they're, they're not stopping crosses coming in from out wide. Um, so un until we can find a formation where we're going to have people that should be out wide, out wide in the positions they should be playing in, we're, we're not going to create and we're going to keep conceding stupid goals and crosses. But as well, part of me thinks like, it, it can't be the manager. The manager can't make people close down crosses. The manager can't make people win headers in the six-yard box or make the goalkeeper come and catch crosses. It, the, there's definitely an attitude as well, and I think maybe part of it is psychological. And you know, we've we've kind of turned this group of players into serial losers. Um, but sometimes the players just have to look at themselves in the mirror. They have to, they have to win their battles, and there's too many that aren't. I mean, there, there aren't really any that are. Yeah, but don't, doesn't that make you even more frustrated yesterday? I, I said to you after the game that there's only Long and Cashkit on that pitch, and we haven't seen Cashkit for I don't know how long, that have, that have come in in either window. The rest of those players are, are ours and have been ours for quite some time. And yet, and so I suppose what I'm saying is I'd expect the, the core of that side to actually care and give a shit about Crew Alex across the course of a season, not just down to that game yesterday. And it doesn't look like they, they do. And I... I'm starting to wonder now, with the benefit of hindsight, if, you know, the cliche of the manager lost the players, he's lost the dressing room and all that. I don't usually buy into that. But I'm beginning to wonder, especially with the rumours that I pick up, that his handling of Tommy Lowry alienated a lot of the, the, um, the homegrown players. And I don't think he's recovered from that. Well, that, that, that could be true. But, I mean, I don't think any of our homegrown players, certainly the ones that have been in the team for a couple of years, have covered themselves in glory at all, in including Tommy Lowry. Look, he's probably been one of our best players this season, but he's still been in a team that's, you know, won no games in however many. Um, you know, I'm sure he'll leave at the end of the season and, and, and get a move in League One, but I don't think any club in League One signing Tommy Lowry will think he's a brilliant signing because look at the team he's come from. I, st I maintain, and I'll, and I'll keep saying it, and people will no doubt listen to this and disagree, and that's fine. The persistence of playing Callum Mainly and Ollie Finney is nothing but academy bias, in my opinion. I can't see what they're doing to earn that place on the football pitch. Well, we keep playing them, I think, because we want to try and sell them, but absolutely no chance. I don't I, I don't see them going to another League One club ever in their careers. Um they might get a League Two club when they leave crew, I suppose, but um I, th I think both of those two are, are write-offs now. Okay, Emma, I'm going to come back to you. Um, I had a tweet ready to go at halftime saying that was maybe the worst half of football in what has been one of the worst seasons of football that I've ever watched. I deleted that because of what Chris Long did right on the um, stroke of halftime. As the newcomer to the pod, I'm going to let you talk us through that goal. One, Maybe the only bright spark of yesterday. I, I, I kind of... It was just absolute individual brilliance, wasn't it? It, it was. He did it on his own, uh, and you can see he gets frustrated. You can see that he, you know, again the body language. You can see he gets frustrated um, during the games. But I almost felt like some of that was a little bit born out of frustration as well as to how he hit it. Um, but yeah, brilliant goal, absolute just individual kind of brilliance really, and it, and it lifted the whole stadium. I felt you know right before half time, it was like right we're back in this, you know, and then we came out twenty minutes of the the, the second half, and we were having a go. We just just not clinical, are we? We just don't take our chances. If we'd have taken two of those chances, I think 
we would have probably, I would have hoped, would have would have wrapped that up, but we just can't take the chances either. I, I thought that there was a, definitely an argument yesterday that, that Fleetwood were as bad as us, but then they started playing and they realised just how bad this, you know, the form is at Crew, the ability maybe of the players at Crew, and they grew into it. And I think that's definitely the case in the second half because, like you say, Emma, there was five minutes, ten minutes after halftime where Crew looked like they were on top, and then that was it. That was game over. Once Crew didn't score, it only felt like it was going one way, didn't it, Tim? I actually thought between the Fleetwood first and second goal, we actually got the ball in the box quite a lot. We even played a couple of bits of decent football. Um, and I genuinely thought the whole time it was one all that we were going to win the game. Um, that that second goal was just a, a killer. And I, I do think to a certain extent, you're right. They kind of realised that even though they weren't playing well, that we weren't scoring and we were there for the taking. And yeah, um, when after the second goal went in, it was you, you just knew the writing was on the wall, and they were they were going to do us. Um, and it, it could have actually been a lot worse. Um, Richards made a couple of very good saves at at two one, um, and Harrison missed one of the worst sitters I've ever seen with the ball right across the box, and he was level with the back post, and somehow managed to put it back across the goal and wide on the other side. I mean. XG terms that must have been like 0.8 or something it was um, it was basically an open goal I can't believe he didn't get that on target so I mean they, they could have easily have won that 5 or 6-1 um, they, they hadn't won in 14 games Tim and yeah I think they're the worst, you, worst form team in the in the league even yeah. with North. as were Gillingham they were 17 without a win and they beat us it's um, you know that's not an accident we, we're, we've got previous for that you know ending runs like that for other clubs it's um, it's ridiculous Doncaster haven't scored for five games, Mark. So uh, I think there's oh, a bit we'll soon of a... put that right. That's why that was so disappointing yesterday because that they weren't a Wigan or a Bolton or a Sunderland. You know, they're a team with similar resources towards. They've actually re- massively reduced their playing budget this season on on last year. Um, they've got one or two decent players, but they're they're not a team that we should be getting beaten three one at home by. Um, and as I say, it could easily have been more second half. The players' heads just went when that second goal went in. Um, we should be competing against them, and we didn't. So none of, none of you three will have heard this because you're all at the game. Um, but Pete Morse wasn't on commentary yesterday. It was Trevor Griffiths, who should be with us next week. Um, he said that if it was for him, I think he came up with two young lads at centre-back, um, Williams and O'Reardon, Luke Offord, and Chris Long, and the rest of them get rid and just completely start again with a new squad next summer. Mark, is that something you could go along with, or is that maybe too far, too brutal? No, I completely agree. Um, For the first time yesterday, I actually started to be fearful of next season, and I've dismissed all season people that say, if we go down, we could go down again. But with that group of players um, and the mentality that's within them, um, and unfortunately, and I don't like saying it, that David Artell in charge, there's nothing to suggest that we wouldn't do a double dip. Um, I would want to get rid of as many uh, footballers at Crew Alexandra this summer as possible, whether that means paying them up, um, just releasing. I, however, it needs to be done. It's got to be done. But then, of course, it, uh, it raises the argument of, do we give the manager another 
pot of money and another transfer window when he's um, fundamentally failed in the previous two. Emma, is that something that you'd be worried about from, you know, from the uh, mental side of it, this double dip that we keep hearing? Um, Mark and I were talking off air before we started and saying it's not really something that's, you know, maybe in the Steve Davis first season, but, you know, it's never really been on the cards in the recent history of crew. But is that something that could happen with this fragile mental state at the moment? I mean, it's, it's a possibility, isn't it? Um I would still like to try and remain hopeful that it doesn't. But obviously, you know, we've seen bigger clubs than us, much bigger clubs than us. I mean, I know, you know, you look at the likes of Wrexham and Stockport that are down there at the moment, probably coming back up. But, you know, the, the fan base that they've got is is probably double, triple hours. Um, so there's some big clubs that that have succumbed to um to to the national league so it's a possibility i would like to remain hopeful i would like to think that we can get things right in the summer and you know potentially start with a different team to what we have now um i, I i'm not sure how different that would be i don't know um but you know i think we we do have to start preparing for that and get the right players in that can compete at that level because as we all know there is a difference between League One and League Two, and you've got to have the right sort of players that are going to be able to compete and, and get stuck in, and it's not going to be pretty football at times, but we've got to adapt to that, haven't we? Tim, I think you're a little bit different, aren't you? You are of the opinion that it it does need some players, but we don't need to drastically overhaul the squad, and there is a basis there. Well, I think you've got a few players that are out at the moment as well, haven't you? I mean... As well as the players that you mentioned, I, I keep Travis Johnson. I think there's definitely a, a player in there. And then you've got people like Adebisi, Wakwe, who are, are going to come back in who are injured at the moment. Um, I, I still haven't written off Sambu, um, like, mainly because I haven't seen him play centre-forward yet. Um, so, but I agree, I agree with the sentiment, and I think we're going to have to be pretty ruthless Um with some of the players who haven't performed this season. I mean, if if you go and watch them arrive at the ground, they all turn up in Land Rovers and Maseratis and all sorts of things. I mean, if the, if the rewards they got from football were equal to the performances this season, they'd all be driving wheelbarrows. Um, and let, let's be brutally honest, we we have not been unlucky this season. That's that's the general sentiment that comes out of the club, that we've we've had some unlucky setbacks. But we've actually been quite lucky at times. You know, two of our wins were against teams that basically were down to the bare bones, Lincoln and Gillingham. We won away at Morecambe with our only two shots on target, uh, 2-1. So this season could actually have been a hell of a lot worse. Um, We're exactly where we deserve to be this season. Um, And if you look at it in the cold light of day, you need to change the mentality. And the only way you can change the mentality is either making wholesale changes to the playing squad or making change at the top with the manager or both. Um, and I, I think if we're being honest, if we, if we want to have a decent season next season or, or, you know, even avoid disaster, then we need to look at both of those things very, very seriously. We were worse yesterday than we were against Cheltenham on the opening day. The whole football club has gone backwards. Um, and, you know, that's, that's eight months worth of, training and coaching and two transfer windows and we are actually worse now than when we started. Well, to, to put it into context, the last time we scored three goals, or well, since we last scored three goals in a league game, 
Italy have won the Eurovision Song Contest, the Euros, the Olympic 100 metres and been knocked out of a World Cup. Right. So I said yesterday, I think, even though I wasn't there, you know, you see on iFollow, uh, there's no one in the ground. I think, Tim, you sent a picture at like two minutes to kick off and there was barely anyone around you. It felt to me, watching on TV, what it felt to me when I was at the game, which I often talk about, the Torquay home game, which turned out to be Dario's last game. Um, I didn't go to the Mansfield away game that turned out to be Steve Davis's last game in charge. Um, Mark, I don't know. I don't. I, I feel like I'm quite a conservative person when it turn, when it turns to like football managers losing their jobs. I, I think football is quite reactionary in sacking managers, and I quite like to be contrary. Um, but I think I am now at the point where I just don't see how it's going to get better. No, I'm going to have a bit of a rant now, um, and I'm not. I'm not going to apologise because I'm um, I'm a crew fan, and the club comes first. I think it's a timely reminder to Mr. Charles Grant and David Artell and anybody else from that football club who's listening to remind them that it's not their football club or plaything, it's ours. And we will be here a long time after they've gone. David Artell says that um, he hopes that his previous four years entitles him to some time. Okay, and, and I don't disagree with that, but Dario Grady had a much bigger history than, than David Artell and he had a shelf life and it, it got to a point where enough was enough. Steve Davis had two Wembley wins under his belt and it got to a point where enough is enough. Now, people go to work all week and the highlight of a lot of people's week, including mine, is going to the football. It's a hobby, but you want to enjoy it um, and be proud of the football club that you follow. And I don't feel like we've, um, we've had that this season. You know, I want, what I want to say is that when Man City uh, lose a football match, their fans feel um, gutted and sad and angry and frustrated. Um, same at Man United and Chelsea. Well, it's no different when you support Crew Alex. You know, you're walking out the ground yesterday and you see young kids holding hands with the, the mums and dads walking down the steps and they look upset. And it's like, this is our football club. It matters. We might not be as big a club as Man United and um, Man City and whoever else up there, but it still feels exactly the same when we lose a football match. It still matters. If you cut me in half, I read Crew Alexandra through the middle. And for the manager to keep coming out and saying, well, we're a development club and using that as some sort of excuse to get out of the, of the way that this season's unfolded, then that's, no, that's not right. We're not a development club at the expense of first-team success. I think now I've had enough now, completely had enough. He'd lost me yesterday. You know, I've tried to go along with every excuse that he's come up with throughout the whole season. Um, and I, I've justified it to myself. I've justified it to fit his narrative. Um, I've tried to convince myself that the following week's going to be somehow better than the last week. And for a while, I kept thinking, well, everything will come good in or, uh, June and July and, and we'll be good to go again in August. But there's nothing, absolutely nothing to suggest that anything's getting any better. Um, so yeah, I, I'm take from this what you will. I've had enough. I'm done. Um, I'm, I'm not even sure I want to go to the the home games that are left. And I said to Tim yesterday, walking out in thirty whatever years it is now, I've never ever felt like that. Never. Um, I've had enough. You and many others. I mean, Stu, what you were saying was right. It was like a ghost town yesterday. We walked into the chippy across the road at 2.40. There wasn't, a, there wasn't a person in there. Normally, you're queuing there for 15 minutes at that time to get your chips. 
my mate walked into the ticket office at 20 to 3 and picked up a ticket, walked straight to the counter, got a ticket and went in. Um, and actually, they gave her the complimentary voucher back to, to use again next week. I mean, if, if that doesn't sum up the half arseness of our club, then nothing does. You know, we can't sort out the sound at the fans forum or it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, the, the half the tannoys in the main stand don't work, so you can't hear the announcer. Oh, it doesn't matter. No one's asked. We're going to be the first club relegated. Doesn't matter. No, no one's asked. And they expect fans to keep coming. Why would they? Why would they? If, if they can't be asked, if, if they're happy with mediocrity, why should the fans care? They're about to announce the season ticket prices for next season, right? And, and the little whisper knocking around Gresty Road yesterday is that there's going to be an increase. I don't know if that's true or not. But whether it's true or not, how on earth are they planning to market season tickets? How on earth are they hoping to recruit people to hand over over 400 quid to go and sit through anything that resembles this season again, next season? Like, what's their angle that they're going to come at? Bradford said, Bradford City, okay, they're a much bigger club than Crew Alex, but on Friday they announced that they were freezing the, the uh, season ticket prices because of the cost of living going up, i.e. gas and electric, which is a very good marketing tool. You know, it, it sort of says to the fans, we care about you, we understand that, uh, that the world's a difficult place to live at the moment, so we will try and help you. What's going to be Crew Alex's angle? What are they going to say to people to get them to come to Gresty Road next season? I think they've probably been um, sitting on those letters saying buy next year's season ticket for the last few weeks, waiting for the first team to actually get a win before they send them out. I reckon they might not send them out before the summer at this rate. I really feel like what Mark and Tim are saying and, and fans' point of view, I get it. I, I, I don't enjoy going at the moment. It, it's not good to watch. You walk away and you just, you're pissed off, aren't you? It's It's... So I get it. I understand it from a fan's point of view. I understand it. It's a big part of people's lives. And when it's not enjoyable and it's you're not, you know, seeing anything from it, it it's really hard to then keep doing that, isn't it? And keep putting yourself through it. So, yeah, I, I get it. I think I'm going to move on to the Tuesday game as well now, because this is something that really, really annoyed me. I think probably more than most people and probably more than it possibly should. But I'll explain my reasonings. Um, so we had the Cheshire Cup semi-final away at Stockport. Gary Pearson, who's been on the pod a few times now, went. He did send me this report. I'm just going to read out what he wrote. It was just like watching the first team. Lots of endeavour, but little achievement. For too long, County were able to stretch and exploit the, the Alex's back three. Time after time, the Alex were outpaced, allowing numerous op opportunities for a chip cross into the box, which seemed to leave our defenders glued to the ground, as usually two County forwards sprang with ease to get their heads on the ball. Gomez went one better than his previous performance of missing a penalty by recklessly giving one away. Both teams played out from the back, but only one did it with purpose. While the Alex played triangles at the back, County got the ball forward quickly without relying on a long ball. Occasionally, County made a backwards pass, but this was quickly moved, but this was quickly moved forward with crisp passing. Too often, the Alex players made the easy pass to a player they could see nearby. Positives? Question mark. Woodcock. Onyeka, Lawton, Billings, they all looked okay. Uh, pointers, Onyeka's not a wing-back. Yeah, another striker playing wing-back. Uh, and Batty is a battling full-back, not a right-sided right centre-back. Too often he was overrun down by his side. Gomez, the most experienced player on our team, looked just as out of depth in this as he is in the first team. Um, now, I woke up Wednesday morning because, you know, my time zone is quite different to the UK and saw that we'd lost 5-0 to Stockport County. Um, this, I think, was the beginning of the end for me. I thought, I'll give it till Saturday. 
But if the first team is losing every single week, which they are, they currently are losing every single week. Um, and then the reserves, the next generation, the players who might not be quite good enough but are pushing for a place in the first team, like Gomez, like Griffiths, like Lundstrom, they're losing to a, a conference side. Now, I know the two clubs are in very different places. Crew are currently at the very much a bottom of a wave and Stockport completely the opposite. Top of the conference, running away with the league, 8,000 fans to go and watch them every week. But there's no way... There's no way, even when they're in the same division, Crew Alexandra should be losing 5-0 to Stockport County. That's not a scoreline that I ever want to see. I don't know if I'm reading too much into this, um, Tim, Mark, uh, whether you agree, disagree, can't be asked because it's a Cheshire Cup game. I'm not sure what your opinions are. But for me, that was where I said, that's it. There's nothing positive now in this club. I think the way I'm starting to look at it now is, Last summer wasn't a promotion summer off the pitch. It was a relegation summer off the pitch. And now we've got a relegation season on the pitch. Um, and that's permeated the whole way through the club. I agree um, completely with you, Stu. Um, you, you know, you can dress it up as being the Cheshire Senior Cup um, and say that I'm not arsed. Uh, but it's a, a competitive football match between two professional football clubs. And we were brushed aside. And Tim's absolutely right as well. Um, you know, let's let's not make any mistake. We could easily have lost that game yesterday, five or six one. Um, as Tim said, there was sitters missed, and the keepers made two or three good saves. It's a um, it's a mentality that runs all the way through the football club. And you know, you can shift Kenny Lunt where you want and move Alex Morris in. Same voice. You know, there's no point. It's completely futile. Like what what they're doing. You, you know, it, it, you you. You're robbing Peter to feed Paul almost. It's um, it's a complete waste of time. Um, and that uh, that sort of leads me on to what I said about next season. I, I'm I'm really worried. I was the same as you, Stu. I was extremely annoyed. Um, we shouldn't be losing any professional competitive football game. Um, five nil. You know, think about it. John Bowler and Dario Grady sat down uh, sometime in the the 1980s and formulated a plan. Um, and worked hard towards it. And, and I'm sure that both Dario and John um, would want to have left a legacy. And the club this season has completely lost its identity. I don't know what we are anymore. Tim, that's, that you're the first person I've heard say that, but it's absolutely spot on. I, I couldn't agree anymore. It wasn't a promotion season off the pitch. That's just been a, um, a, a, a tired excuse all season. We didn't even get the money that we should have done for most of them players. You know, there's... We, Owen Dale walked away for next door to nothing. And Tommy Lowry's about to walk away for free. Ryan Winter walked away for nothing. Like, I don't think that Dario Grady and John Bowler ever saw the club ending up in, in the state that it has. It's a mess. Um, and to go from where we were a couple of years ago to, to now is unforgivable. OK, I think I'll leave it there after that, Mark. Um, next, we'll, we'll have a little look at the games coming up this week after we've checked in with the women's team. Okay, so we're here with uh, Keris Griffin following a 4-1 victory against Cheadle Town Stingers. Um, so first of all, congratulations. It was a great game to watch, uh, quite a feisty contest. Uh, how do you feel like that went today? Thank you. I think that went really well. We stronger, fitter, won every battle individually. We started quite slow, then got more into the game, we had gears to go. We got the goals, a sloppy goal for the 2-1. 
and then second half came and we played and pushed and pushed and we got the further goals. Yeah. Uh, I, from the sidelines, it definitely I felt like you came out in the second half and you're you're a different team almost. You were much more clinical. And uh, I think it was quite nice to see Gricey back and Nuttall back as well. Do you feel like that lifted the team at all? Or? Yeah, it definitely played an impact. Gricey came on, we just took that wing further and we made more chances down the right-hand side. Got a couple of crosses in, Gricey got the goal, Nuts came back, great to see Nuts back with the team. Obviously, she's been back in training, playing really well. So, yeah, it's a really good start. And then, uh, I suppose, more from a personal point now, you've had a, had a few start strung together and uh, obviously coming towards the end of your first season with the with the women's team uh, how, how do you feel like it's gone uh, i've got to say i believe the sidelines have been impressed i i think it's gone really well i've settled in quite well as the season's gone on feeling more calm and less pressure on me which is making me feel better and going forwards more and creating more when i can do that and without feeling like i might make a mistake so i, I feel like i've had a really good season and can't wait to start again next season and press Yeah, I feel like that's been shown through the player of the matches you've got in the season as well. And um, I suppose finally, next week, I think we're looking to Wigan. Uh, and any sort of comments on them and what, what you sort of expected? Or? Um, if we can play like today, we'll definitely score goals, be a bit more clinical over the second half, and the goals will go in the same that happened last week against Macclesfield. Just more shots off, we should be fine. Defensively, we've been really good in the last couple of games. And just, just play how we are, and we should be all good. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much, and uh, all the best for the rest of the season. Thank you. Okay, so first up on Tuesday night is the rearranged fixture at MK Dons. Now, I am a little bit worried about this one. As I've just said before, um, before the women's update, we're not really getting hammered we are losing every week but we're not really getting hammered i have a really real big worry that this tuesday night that could change tim mk dons are flying their third position chasing down the top two they've got a squad that if you look at it it's probably a championship squad already you know one or two additions in the summer i'm worried this is going to be five or six nil yeah well they gave us a, a good government at our place didn't they and um our form wasn't actually that bad at that stage. Um, uh, yeah, I, I can't really see any other outcome. I, th- I think a, a decent result would be getting beat by three. Mark, Emma, want to uh, refute that? Is there any any chance of anyone going on Tuesday night they're going to see an Alex win? No. No? Okay. Um, the other thing, Mark, that has happened um, since we last played them is they've improved their goalkeeper. They had the Gillingham goalkeeper, who well, the Chelsea goalkeeper who was on loan to Gillingham. He's now on loan to MK Dons. Jamie Cummins. It, 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 again, I don't want to be too negative. I feel like, you know, we have to try and see some positives, but we could play all week with this team against that team and we, we wouldn't score one goal, would we? No, if, you, if I take you back to um, David Artel's interview after Bolton, um, the last thing he said to Graham McGarry, Graham McGarry sort of alluded to the fact that there was a two-week break coming and, and what they would be working on. And David Artel's sort of um, short-term answer was scoring goals. And, you know, I almost hoped secretly yesterday when I was walking to the ground at uh, 5-2, to two, waiting for the team news, that I was going to read that he'd gone back to 4-3-3 and we were going to try and, um, and have a go and, you know, and threaten the goal. But we didn't. Um, so you're right, you know, 
I don't really care to be honest what happens on Tuesday. I found myself yesterday. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this, and um, I, I appreciate that people might be angry with me. Um, and I'm surprised at myself for feeling like this. I think I said it to you, Tim, coming down the steps. There was a really perverse and, and um, horrible part of me in, inside that wanted Fleetwood to go four one up and five one up and six one up to sort of ram home to everybody how bad this is. Um, so you know, MK, step up. You know, if you want to whack us six seven nil, then get on with it. Uh, because at the moment, it just feels like nothing's ever going to change. I, I I genuinely feel that we could lose the next six and and it'll be, yeah, well, we're going into next season. We're going to just carry on as we are. Uh, I don't know what it's going to take now to to see a change happen. We go again. <laughs> Emma, can I just bring you in? Uh, I don't want to talk about the MK game. I just want you to assess Mark's current mental state from the comments there he's just made <laughs> about losing 6-7-0 and wanting to see that happen. Yeah, no, I... I... I think people just, people want a change, don't they? People just want to see some action. They want to see some reactivity. I think I think that's what he's kind of getting at there. And, and if it means that, you know, we get thumped six, seven, nil or something in a game and then that brings that, then I think people would, would kind of accept that. Um, it's yeah, not, think- though, Emma, it's not change that I necessarily want to see um, or didn't up until now. I think... The, the key word is hope. I wanted to, I've said to you a while ago, Stu, on this podcast, you know, if we're going to go down, I want to see some some signs of recovery that we can take into next season that gives me something to hold on to over the summer, thinking we could, uh, you know, mount a playoff push next season. But there's no hope. You know, David Artel said it, it, this is the biggest game for some of them that they've ever played in, talking about yesterday. I wish he'd have told them. Right. Okay. Um, none of you, I don't think, are on pod duty next week. So uh, there's no expectation from my end for you to go on Tuesday night or to watch on Tuesday night on iFollow or anything like that. Are you going to bother? I'll, put, I'll watch it on iFollow. Actually, half time yesterday, me and Tim were making plans to do Doncaster away. And then at the final whistle, I just said to him, no, I'm not doing it. Why should I? I'll be watching M- MK on iFollow. And I suspect, um, unless I have a radical change of mind in the meantime, I'll probably watch Doncaster on uh, on I follow as well because I, I just can't justify a day away from the family and spending a load of money to go and watch this turgid nonsense. Mm, yeah, I'll probably not on the the uh, Sky Sports News <laughs> to watch all the all the banter that they have with their presenters. But yeah, I, I haven't watched that many on I follow to be fair this season. It was a bit dodgy last season when I had it. So it's sad though, Stu. Don't you think? Well, everybody, it's really sad. When you think where the club was when um, in our first season in, in League One, we really had something to build on, a real foundation. There was a real good, even on the back of COVID, we, um, there was a feel-good factor about the club. It felt like we were, we were going places again and it's all been undone. And, you know, to come back to the season tickets, it's just reminding me, Tim, I was saying to you on the, um, on the way to the station yesterday that... Um, if they are thinking about putting the, the uh, season ticket prices up, I'd just make them look back to uh, the season where COVID struck, um, where a lot of fans, if not all the fans, decided to uh, hand their potential refunds back to the club as a goodwill gesture because there was such a feel-good factor around the club and we sort of saw that they needed the money and they needed the help. Um, so think about that, Crew Alex, if you're just about to... Uh, 
put the season ticket prices up on the back of a relegation. Well, one thing I would say is last summer, you know, we had Graham McGarry on um, and I had, I think it was Alex and my brother Neil came on as well. And I asked uh, McGarry, where do you see Dave Artel's future? Is he going to go up to a higher level with a different club or is he going to be like Dario and stay forever? Um, you know, what's his goal? And Alex and Neil both asked a question that I sort of brushed off and well, made a point rather, but not a question that I brushed off and said, um, I kind of hope he goes because I don't want him to ruin his legacy like Steve Davis did. And I went, nah, it's not going to happen. That's ridiculous. Uh, this is less than 12 months ago. Uh, that legacy is just gone. And the other thing I would say, people are sort of revisionist in history now. You know, last season was a, a playoff season. I don't think it was. Um, you know, and I, I know people will be listening to this and would disagree with that. I think we were where we were supposed to be last year. I think we were a mid-table League One side. Um if you look at the players that we've lost to the championship, not many of them are pulling up too many trees at the minute. And some of them aren't even getting in squads for the game. But all of that goodwill, all of that feel good of the, the season before or the season when COVID hit, the season after, that's just gone. And I think this is, a, this is as low as it has been, I think, around the club. Definitely since the Davis era, but I can't really remember many times as well. Again, going back to that end of the Dario time, I think, uh, I don't know if you disagree with that. No, I don't, I don't disagree with you at all. It's, um, I just looked around the ground yesterday and just, you know, I felt sad. Um, really, because, you know, I think relegation was confirmed quite a while ago, but as I, as I said a few minutes ago, you know, football fans, they, they want hope. You know, it's what, it, after you've lost 6-0 on a Saturday, hope is what gets you going on a Monday morning. And, and renews your optimism by Friday and you do it all again and you go and stand in the rain and stand in the cold. It's always that hope that it's going to get better. Um, and the way this season's played out, that it's gone. All that hope's gone. We, we just, it's, for me, it's unforgivable. The club was in such a good place when they finished just outside the playoffs and had something to build on. And it's, they've lost it all. The, the club just feels like a complete mess from top to bottom. There's, there's no redeeming features, is there? There's, there's nothing that you could look at in that team and think, you know, oh, I like that player. Oh, he's good. He's going to be a good player. There's just, there's no ray of hope. It's just, it's it's a desolate environment. Okay, that's the MK preview done. Um, <laughs> I spoke to Jonathan Harries from the MK Don supporters just to get their take on the season. Hi, Jonathan. Welcome to the pod. Hi, how are you? I'm um, good, thank you. Now, this is your first time with us. So can you just briefly explain your relationship with the MK Dons? So I volunteer with the Milton Keynes Dons Supporters Association. Um, we've, um, last year or so, we've done several things. We've opened a new home fans bar called Lewington's. Um, we've engaged with the fans more, getting uh, more bums on seats home and away. And my sort of role is doing um, getting opposition fans on the um, trash talk article, which you've done for me. So thank you for that. And uh, then writing previews for every single game um, in League and Cup. So keeps me quite busy. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I would just say, if anyone reads this after hearing this, um, I did put a proviso. It was quite negative, the answers you got from me. But I think that goes with the season that crew are having this season um 
Paul, we're not here to talk about crew. Um, can you just tell us, you've just, I, I believe you've just literally got home from watching uh, a 2-1 home win over Shrewsbury. How did that go? Yeah, it was a it was a comfortable 2-0 victory. Shrewsbury came out pretty well um, in the first half. They actually came and played some decent football. Um, Ryan Bowman should have scored from about six yards out. And then we went straight up the other end, three passes down the middle, Coventry to twine, twine to my wife's, uh, my wife's a one-on-one, you know the rest, he scored. And then the uh, second half came along and uh, again, Shrewsbury were, were still in it. Um, they were quite physical side. I think Elliot Bennett should have been sent off for a, a foul and then pushing Scott Twine over. Uh, they were, but we didn't let the antics get to us and uh, Twine sealed the deal and after some good work with uh, Josh McEachern, and then it could have been any score after that. We were just toying with them. We were able to bring Iser off, bring Connor Wickham on. Um, we brought Theo Corbinu on as well, and just a comfortable 2 0 victory, really. So, looking at the table at the moment, MK Dons are third, one point behind uh, Wigan and Rotherham um, after today's results. But a game more than Rotherham, two games more than Wigan. Do the fans believe that these two teams can be kept caught? Is that is promotion automatic promotion the aim? It certainly is. I think I think the fans are sort of thinking that Wigan, with their two games in hand, uh, are possibly the ones not to be caught. It's more Rotherham. They've hit a bit of patchy form recently. They obviously lost to Shrewsbury uh, before the international break. Um, they've got the cup game against Sutton in that wonderful pizza trophy tomorrow. Um, he says sarcastically. And uh, I, I've just looked at Rotherham's fixtures and they've got some tricky fixtures. They've got Sunderland, they've got Portsmouth, they've got Plymouth, they've got Ipswich. So all I'm going to say is the pressure's on Rotherham to keep the pace up because one slip-up and we're there to pounce. And I honestly, without sounding too arrogant, I honestly think that that we, we can sneak this automatic promotion. I don't know how soon it's going to be, but I, I honestly believe automatics is is the aim. If that doesn't happen, if Rotherham and Wigan um, do go up automatically and MK Don's finishing the top six, probably third, looking at it at the moment, playoffs are a bit of a lottery, aren't they? Would you be confident going into them? Um, well, our playoff records that I, I have been keeping an eye on, we don't do particularly well in the playoffs. So that is always in the back of your mind um, that that could happen. I mean, um, there's always, they always, um, there's always time to change that. And I think with the squad we've got, we can beat anyone on our day. Uh, say we've beaten the top two away from home this season. Um, we've gone to Portsmouth and we've won. Um, and, We've done the double over Portsmouth, sorry. We've done the double over Wickham as well. And uh, it's, it's, this season's probably gone a lot better than I expected, especially with our manager going five days before the season started as well. The squad, I had a little look at the MK squad earlier. Um, it does, if I'm being honest, it does look a little bit like a championship squad in waiting. Um, the one I picked out is Scott Twine because, you know, he's leading goal scorer and leading assists. But it can't all be him. Who else would you pick out if you were to look at good players in this first team? 
Um, I'd probably say we've upgraded on our goalkeeper since January. We lost Andrew Fisher to Swansea, which we were all prepared for. Um, and then we got Jamie coming in. Um, he played the first half of the season at Gillingham and he's just been a revelation. Uh, so calm, so composed, made a crucial save in the first half uh, today as well. With uh, I think it was Fedoa, um, real good save. And he's just brought an air of calm to the defence. Harry Darling and Warren O'Hora in that defence have just been superb since the turn of the year. And probably the one to watch out for at the minute is Troy Parrott. He's playing the, the he's playing the best football he's played all season. He's got confidence. He scored for the Republic of Ireland last week as well. Um, and this is uh, Tottenham Loney that had a real sticky patch sort of October, November time. And we thought, is he going to get sent back to Tottenham? But credit to Liam Manning, he's stuck with him. He's given him confidence. And we've seen the old Troy come back with goals, assists, and just being a general nuisance, really. OK, Jonathan, I'm going to let you go, but I'm going to ask you one last question before I do. Can I get a score prediction for the game on Tuesday night? I am going to say... I'm going to say 3-0 MK Dons. Um, I think... Well, you've always been a bogey side when you've come to Stadium MK, um, especially when Mr Kirk was in the lineup. That was always that was always the case. He always scored or either had an absolute world of a game. And um, I do feel sorry for you in your situation. Obviously, you know a bit of the background with some of the signings that did or didn't happen in the summer and all the contract issues, etc. Um, I just feel at the minute we're playing with so much confidence and it's not arrogance, it's it's confidence that that unfortunately a team's due an absolute mauling, to be honest. And unfortunately, I think it's you. Tremendous. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you for your time. Not no worries. Right, after Tuesday then is our second of our must-win games following the Fleetwood game, a game away at Doncaster in what has been called El Crapico. Um, my highlight of the first game this season was when Scott Robertson had the chance to shoot from a free kick, passed it to their wall. Suddenly they were three on one with a chance to score at the other end and managed to mess that up, really summing up the ability of these two sides. It's going to be another cracker, isn't it, on Saturday, Tim? Yeah, it should be um, one of the highlights of the season in League One. I mean, th- they are absolutely dreadful. They are possibly the worst League One team in the last 10 years, maybe with the exception of South End a few years back, went down with about 20 points. Um, but somehow we're, what are we, four or five points below them in the table? Um, I think we're probably now... Massive odds on favourites to win the race, to finish bottom against them. Um, it would take something exceptional, like us beating them on Saturday, for us to uh, finish above them and avoid finishing bottom. Um, yeah, so um, £10 and I follow, or £25 live on the gate for anyone that wants to watch it. <laughs> Emma, um, I've got a question for you. There's, I don't think there's a right answer to this, so I'm going to set you up, I'm afraid. Would you rather lose 5-1 on a Tuesday night to a good team or lose 1-0 on Saturday to a crap team? And are both of them going to happen anyway? I mean, potentially. Um, I, I, I'm, I think I'm quite a realist as a football fan. I think there are 
you know, you come up against better, better teams than you. If you're getting beat 5-1 at MK Dons by somebody that's chasing to get into the top two, I can kind of, you know, that that's kind of realistic to me. I think losing 1-0 to somebody that there's uh, a few points between you at the bottom, that those are the games really like, you know, like yesterday, that was a game really we needed to have been winning. So, yeah, I think I could probably take a 5-1 away at MK. Losing 1-0 to Doncaster, that, that would sit a bit harder with me, I think. Okay, so I spoke to Adam from the Into the Empty Net pod to find out what's been going on at Doncaster. Hi, Adam. Welcome back to the podcast. Hi, good to be here with you. Um, despite all that's been going on with our two clubs this season. Yeah. Uh, well, let's jump straight into that then. Um, what do you make of Doncaster's season? From an outsider looking in, it looks like you're enjoying it as much as we are watching the Alex. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a complete shambles, hasn't it? I mean, all the words I can use to describe the entire season, none of them would be good. So uh, a lot of people are now starting to put this season in the same category as our 1997-98 uh, season, which, if for those who don't remember, was when we went out of the Football League um, and our chairman at the time tried to burn the stadium down. So uh, the fact that we're even discussing it in the same breath as that, maybe it's not quite as bad, uh, but it's, it's definitely getting up there. Uh, that probably tells you all you need to know. Really, it's it's been a, just an abject nightmare from from minute one. Really, probably since pre-season onwards. Uh, I, you know, I don't know if it's been the case for yourselves as well, but we've been we've been down there in the bottom four all season, not really looking like uh, having much hope of getting out of it. And I would say four or five games left from end of season. Now I'm one hundred percent certain that we will not be getting out of it. So uh, yeah, that's 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 the cliff notes version of it, I suppose. <laughs> To answer your question about whether it's been the same for us, I think we're just missing a stadium being burnt down to <laughs> uh, to make it, you know, the full package. Um, so we're recording this on Saturday night. You've just watched the game away at Wickham. It was a 2-0 loss, I believe. How was it? Yeah, well, I mean, it's getting tricky now because we're kind of saying the same things every week, but uh, same problems that have played us all season. Uh, perhaps there was a little bit more in the way of cohesive passing today. Um, how much of that was the return to the side of John Bostock and how much of it was just that Wickham play a very direct style? They're not really bothered about ball retention so much as, you know, direct vertical play. Um, I'm not sure which of the two is more important. Maybe a little from, from column A, a little from column B. I think Bostock did make a difference today, uh, playing really standards above most of our players have this season. But all in all, another, another simple 2-0 defeat, really. I think it was... Largely all Wickham. We did have a few chances. None of them really. Well, maybe one or two chances from Josh Martin that that forced saves out of David Stockdale. But um, other than that, just another game where we don't really look like creating a lot, where we can't keep the other team from scoring, and where there's just there's just no organisation and and just no real like fight. You can kind of see that the belief has gone out of the players. If it was ever there to begin with, to be honest, to be brutally honest, I think several of these players, whether they've been here all season or from January have never really looked like they thought the team they were playing in were, were capable of getting out of trouble. What is it that's gone wrong this season then? Because last year, you know, lower lower top half, weren't you, Doncaster, most of the season? So what what's changed from last year to this year? I think I think mostly every element of the football side of the club's gone gone to pot. Um we were actually in in the automatic promotion places at the turn of the year last season. Uh Darren Moore left. Uh, we made some yeah, some underwhelming recruitment moves in January. And from there, the season just went off a cliff. And to be honest, what, getting on for 14, 15 months later now, 
it's still the same. Um, we, we were losing nearly every game, getting rolled over by end of last season. And it just carried on into this year, despite the fact that we got a new manager uh, and a whole new squad of players, essentially, in the summer. The culture of the club, I, th I think it's just... I think we've lost too much in the way of... Um, mm, st stability, certainly. I mean, stability is something that we always prided ourselves on. You know, we've not sacked many managers at all in the last 25 years. Um, not having a big turnover of players and, and generally having a, a solid philosophy, how I want to play. I mean, you know, I think that's something Crew have had for a long time as well, is having that clear edict of, of how we want to do things as a football club on the pitch and off the pitch. And I think that's kind of all gone out the window. I don't really think it's even been intentional. I think the club's just kind of, those in charge of the club have maybe just lost sight of what they were trying to achieve. And yeah, it's been 15 months now, I think, of just abject malaise and decline. Um, and it's rightly going to result in a relegation that I think a lot of us could see coming as far back as maybe September, October, if not earlier, sadly. Because, I mean, really, the, the standard of the football at the bottom end of this league this season has been terrible, hasn't it? Um, yeah. I think it, even if we'd found three or four wins where we've lost in the last three months, we'd probably be safe, which is bizarre because I don't think we've been anywhere near and I don't think we've been anywhere near deserving to stay up. So you mentioned Darren Moore leaving last season. Uh, there was a change of manager this season. Did that help to change anything? It doesn't sound like, you know, it's achieved much. No, I mean, I mean, we're on our third manager since Darren Moore in 15 months, probably less than that. I think it's been 13 months since Darren Moore left. Third manager since, and it needs to be a fourth soon. Um, we, you know, Richie Wellens got sacked in December just didn't go it just didn't work out for Richie at all it just did not go well um he put the squad together in the summer and we just got off to a bad start and it just continued from there I think replacing Wellens when we did early to mid-December made sense um it didn't look like he was going to be able to pull us out of the uh the decline we were in but then the club spent four weeks debating who to appoint and we just stuck with the caretaker Gary McSheffrey who bless him he's a nice lad he's Gary McSheffrey he was a good player for us at the end of his career as well but his only experience as a coach is coaching our under-18s for about a year, year and a half. No senior experience as a manager. Um, didn't do well in his caretaker spell. I mean, we were getting turned over in, in near enough every game. I think we won once and lost three or four. And then he's got the job permanently and it's just continued. Um, we did make a lot of signings in January, but aside from maybe the goalkeeper, Jonathan Mitchell, it's it really been a rabble, really, of players who've just come in and, and joined the low-standard, low-belief <laughs> um, group that we already had so it's if anything it's got a bit worse I think since Wellens was replaced with McSheffrey which is which really I mean if you told me that in December when Wellens went I'd have, I'd have not believed you and I'd have been pretty upset <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm well past upset now with the whole thing as you can maybe tell from my tone of voice yeah it's uh it's very similar I think people listening to this will uh recognize the feelings um Adam I did have a question that was you're not as cut off as the Alex. Is there still a belief from yourself within the fan base that you can still do it? I think you've already answered that with the questions that you've or the answers you've already given. Yeah, well, yeah, my belief kind of went out of us a couple of weeks ago. I, I went, you know, I live quite a long way away from Doncaster's. I live in the northeast and uh, made the trip down to watch us play Gillingham about three weeks ago in what were a real six-pointer, like two sides who'd really been struggling. Um, you know, a win, a win would probably have kick-started us. And we conceded from a long throw in after 50 seconds, did nothing for the whole game and lost 1-0. Look at Gillingham now, you know, Neil Harris has got them going. Only only one of his bottom six who've managed to put a run together in the last month or two. And after I, I walked away from that game and just thought, 
lack of quality and the lack of belief in the side. It's it's going to be a miserable experience. I think this game against Crew. I, I think it's not going to be a very fun watch for anybody. We don't play good football. Uh, we don't make chances and we don't win games. So, <laughs> okay. Well, that leads me on to that last question. So, other than a uh, tip-top uh, game next Saturday, what score do you reckon it'll be? Oh, let <laughs> let's go for a repeat of the thrilling one-one that we had earlier in the season at uh, at the Alex because. Yeah, that, that, I mean, again, I think we were both kind of in a similar position then of not looking great. Obviously, we weren't as cut off as we are now. And I think the game proved that we were both pretty poor sides. I can see that happening again, to be honest. I've gone ambitiously to say we'll score because we haven't scored in five games. But but um, we've got to score eventually. And we're terrible at defending. So even if you can get the ball in the box a couple of times, our defence will get confused by that. And uh, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure let you in for at least one goal. So let's say it's a, a draw that really consigns us both to, to League Two. Let's go for that. Thank you for your time, Adam. No worries. Thanks for having us. Right, previews done, on to predictions. Mark, I'm going to do this really quickly. What is the minute of the first goal of the Tuesday night game, please? 12. Tim? 1. Emma? 6. Okay, and then Emma, I'll come straight back to you for the Doncaster game on Saturday. I'm going to go with a nil-nil draw. Oh, very bold. Uh, Tim? <laughs> yep, same here, 90. And Mark? <sighs> I think I'm just going to watch it for a laugh. Um, 12 again. Okay. Right. Uh, before we get on to our final bit, which uh, we've mentioned already, uh, we'll talk about Emma and your job at the Alex. Um, Tim and Mark, this is likely, although not set in stone, that this is going to be your last appearance for this regular season. Well done for getting through it. Uh, so I'm going to ask you if you can think of any positives that are stuck out? Anything we can hope for going into the next season? What are your final thoughts? Mark, I think we've heard quite a few of yours already today. So, Tim, is there anything that anyone listening to this can say, right, okay, this has been rubbish, but next year we've got this or this or this? Well, I don't know if it really counts as a positive, but, I mean, there are a handful of players that I think would do an okay job in League Two next season. Um, that it's more of a fact than a or an opinion than than, than a positive. Other than that, uh, look, I just I can't wait for the season to end. I'd quite happily just let abandon the next four matches or five matches, six matches, however many it is. Let the other team have the three points, not play the games, and then I don't have to worry about it on a Saturday or Tuesday night. Uh, I just want the season to end now. Fed up. Mark, uh, I'm not going to ask you what uh, your thoughts are because I think, like I say, you've mentioned it already, but. We are toying with the idea of doing a player of the season again, like last year, um, as a, the podcast. Uh, I'm not sure whether we should reward anyone, but um, one person that maybe comes to my mind is Chris Long. Is there anyone else who should be in the contention, or is he it for you? Is he a player of the season? Um, Zach Williams and Conor O'Reardon would be um, would be up there for highlights of the season. I think they. Maybe breakthrough player they'll be in the running for. Um, Tommy would would be a contender, but obviously, you know, the situ as good as he's been, the situation is what it is. He's going to walk away from the football club that made him for absolutely nothing. So he's not getting an award from me. So, yeah, uh, Chris Long. Okay. Right. Finally, then, Emma, we'll come to you and your job. Now, 
Am I right in saying that your official title is player care coordinator with the academy? That's correct, yeah. And what does that mean? Um, so it's basically um, kind of managing and having an overview of the academy players' sort of mental health and well-being. Um, so linking in with the the education, um, particularly for the scholars, um, linking in with the life skills program that has to be delivered as part of the the EFL. Um, providing sort of presentations and workshops on on sort of various different things really um just sort of providing that education as well as opposed to to players and parents does that include things like um how to pay taxes how to open a bank account things like that um it can do with with more of the sort of the older ones so you'd be looking at maybe 16 year olds onto sort of first and second year scholars um, yeah, because obviously once they sign the scholarship, they're then paid a wage by the club. Um, so, yeah, they do look at things like budgeting. Um, you know, I was um, there the other day on the uh, they did a, a presentation around the transition as well. So for the 16 year olds that have signed um, to go into the first year scholarship as from July. Um, and it was sort of talking about little tips like getting a rail card and things like that so they can get to and from um, the training ground. So, yeah, I mean, that might have been a niche question for my part, but as a teacher myself, I always get asked, well, not always, but I sometimes get asked, why don't you teach us real things, like how to pay taxes and things like that? And from my perspective, when schools have tried to do that, that's when they tune out and say it's boring. But again, there'll be about four people listening to this that think that's relevant and interesting. Uh, so I'll move on from that. Um, what would you say, or rather, what? how long has this been a position? Are you the first person to do this or has this been someone else's job before? Have you come into a new position? As far as I know, I'm the first person that's come into this role. So I started in January um so just prior to that um they'd moved somebody into the full-time safeguarding officer as well um so I work very closely with the the club safeguarding officer um so yeah it's a new role so kind of been starting from scratch really which um you know that has it has its benefits as well um so it's allowed me to be kind of quite creative really and into sort of thinking about what sort of things we want to to provide we also did a parent survey as well quite quickly when I started just to get their feedback and to ask about what do they want you know from the club um so things like sort of social media was coming through things like nutrition as well um because you know they're young athletes aren't they they, they need to look after the bodies and they need to to obviously um take that into account um so yeah so we've been thinking about um putting on presentations and workshops around those sorts of things as well if you were to ask me another positive from this season it would be that it shows that the club are, are moving with the uh, the way of the world I think it's an important person to have I think it's a crucial job I think um, players need to be supported from an early age into that transition into men's football with everything that comes with it it's it's good that things like social media are highlighted because you know a, a young player reading social media particularly on a season like the back of this uh, mm. it could be really damaging so um, I think it's a really positive move and well done to the football club for uh, for putting Emma in thank you yeah, I think we'll uh, we'll call it a day there, I think, on the, a, a little positive to end what's not been the most positive of podcasts. <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's uh, 
let's finish there for this week. We'll be back next Monday to look at the two games happening next week. But until then, Mark and Tim, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me this season. Emma, thank you for coming on today. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, no, it's been fun. Thanks for inviting me and thanks for asking me to come on and, and talk about my role as well. Hopefully it kind of gives people a bit more information about what it is. Excellent. Thank you for listening. Until next week, goodbye. Dang, 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 ding, 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 ding,